millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. That's the second time it's gone off. They never got home, they never got home, they never got home, those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. It is not war and death and famine, it's not that at all. It's the opposite of that, it's to persuade the world outside of that. That's why sport's important. Hello there everyone, you may not have noticed, but the World Cup is about to start in three days' time. Ken is getting on a flight in less than 24 hours' time, and we're going to have a full month of his travel diaries, almost always good for a laugh, as well as his incisive reporting from one of the strangest, most morally divisive, most controversial World Cups ever played. We'll hear a little bit about the country of Qatar in a few minutes on this promo show, but yesterday we released our big World Cup preview with Jonathan Wilson, Miguel Delaney and Tim Vickery. We spent the first 15 minutes talking about how this might actually kill the whole idea of a World Cup and that if that happened, FIFA would probably deserve it. Before we finally got to the football, here is Tim starting us off. And and I very, very much suspect that the technical level of this World Cup will be superior to that of any recent World Cup, maybe going back even to to, to, to 86, which is my personal favourite. Uh, and that, that will carry enough people along to make to make the whole the whole circus go to go to towns again in the future. Why, why do you think that, Tim? Why, is, is it simply because the technical level has been getting better in a, in a smooth No, it's, it's because it, it, it's when, it, when it's being played. I mean, my... My big example here is, you know, a team that I followed through the way up, which was Argentina in 2014. Uh, and in qualification, they were insane. Uh, you know, the, the, the front three of, of Messi, Higuain and Aguero, Di Maria in the midfield trio, and the coach there, Sabella, uh, saying, you know, when we're attacked, all I can do is shut my eyes and pray. <laughs> no, but if it's going to be tit for tat, we're going to, you know, our tit's going to beat your tat. Yeah. That's how they qualified. Once they got to the World Cup, Sabella saw that they just couldn't do it. They weren't fit enough. You know, I was in the stadium for a lot of Argentina's games and Messi just spent his time wandering around the centre circle with his head bowed as if he just dropped his wedding ring or something and he would play in spurts. Uh, And uh, Aguero broke down. He was never anywhere near fit. Um, Di Maria broke down in the quarterfinal after which Argentina didn't score a single goal. So they they, they, kind of, it was grim in the end from a team that was set up to be anything but because end of season tiredness and we don't have that this time you, you've got the, the the best stars in the world is it ba- is it counterbalanced though by the by the lack of preparation time i mean you know players well, might it, be pressured but they haven't be. really I mean, look, look at all the tournaments so from the south american point of view you know they've had they've had uh, a cop america in 19 a cop america in 21 they've had 18 rounds of world cup qualification if you're not if you're not prepared after all of that you, you know you've got no right being there yeah, yeah. Well, Miguel, that's, that might be an interesting point to take up here. Say you were the manager of a World Cup team. You had shockingly been appointed in a Roberto De Zerbi way. You Googled <laughs> a few things about, about the country you were taking over. And now you were going to lead the country. Is there 
a template for winning World Cup? Is there a, is there a formula? <clears throat> what would you do? What what gives a team the best chance of winning the World Cup? Because we've seen it done in different ways recently. Germany and Spain, I think, were different yeah. from a lot well, of the I... other teams that won the World Cup. But what would you do if you're you know the ambitious young uh, coach, uh, well, I... <laughs> managing Denmark, Qatar, whoever? That's an instructive question to sell, or sorry, the point about Germany, Spain. So actually only today in a plug ahoy, uh, I've done a piece on the erosion of national styles. I was speaking to a lot of people in football about this, including uh, Wales football director, uh, Dr. David Adams, and Pep Segura, who used to work at Barcelona, who obviously kind of have to study these things a lot. And I, one of the things is every, every team now, certainly all the major teams, certainly England's, uh, they have they go into these tournaments and they basically have almost these kind of bibles, some statistical, some basically pure research, which is how to qualify, how to win a World Cup, and it's why I think Southgate has possibly been there's been this criticism in the past of trying to almost win a win a tournament through uh, instruction manual because he's very it's almost like he's taking he's taken pieces of and and specifically I suppose just the era he took over, what Portugal and France did in 2016 and 2018, and try to almost bolt elements of that onto England's structure. And what they were was, I suppose, pretty much a very solid base with enough attacking flair to get them through every game. It wasn't always watchable, but it was effective. They were hard to get at. They had just enough goals, uh, even if there was a bigger argument about whether they kind of subdued their talent. And it's interesting that's informing the Portuguese debate now. But I think they were in very specific tournaments. And I think from speaking to a few people around this, there is an argument, and, and, and this is where Tim's point about the time of year it happens could be could be so influential as well. There is an argument that it's evolving, specifically because basically all the major teams now play that German-Spanish uh, model, which is essentially the Dutch model taken on by Barcelona. So, I mean, I, well, I, I, I tweeted a little graph we had in the piece earlier uh, of teams that play this way. And it's um, it's obviously it's, it's so many of the favourites essentially Sp- Germany, Spain, Netherlands, Denmark, Belgium, Croatia. I think you you could argue Brazil and that Argentina haven't haven't spoken to a few guys around their camp. They would I mean it was described to me as uh, a lot of modern principles, but with enough of a Lindoestra uh, their own way, particularly in midfield. Uh, and given this is a point in the season where. Players don't have much physical load, as as their conditioning teams would put it, so they are sharper. I, I think it could suit that style of football more. It's going to lead to more open games, and I think you're right about the late start to the tournament. I think that could see a bit of a chaotic group stage, but the argument that Segura made to me was the real kind of, um, more so than ever, I mean, the quarterfinals is usually the point where kind of the, the real contenders are separated from those who, who pretended but that could be even more the case this time because of the short schedule and because suddenly teams will have had a week and a half together. They'll know each other more. They'll know what they're about. And that's when we and that's actually what happened to Spain in 2010 as well. They went on to another level from the quarterfinals. Um, I, I think we could see similar here. So it could, be, it could be almost a situation where it's about surviving a chaotic group stage and then we see the real quality. And for me, that will be one of these more, a, a team that plays, I suppose, the, the the modern the modern model. Um, I'm a little bit skeptical about England and France, but I mean, in, in Southgate said it the other day. To be fair, this tournament, because of so many factors, is is an unknown. Yeah. Well, Tim, what do you what do you think of that? Um, what what is it? Brazil are the favourites? Um, are you piling on there? Uh, are you do you, do you share the confidence of the of the gamblers? I have to say, the Brazil's group looks 
quite difficult. Yeah, it does. It does. It's uh, it, it, it's an interesting group. Miguel talks about it. The great unknown. You know, I mean, the bar for for Brazil as it's been every every time since they they won in two thousand and two, which was a very very strange World Cup. Um, the bar is Western European side in the knockout stages. They've lost every time, uh, and uh, Argentina similar to them when they just got through Switzerland and Holland um, in twenty fourteen. But apart from that. It's good night Vienna every time they meet Western European opposition. So that's where the bar is. And because of the pandemic and principally the Nations League, there's, there's been almost no international football between Europe and South America since since the last World Cup. And Brazil Does that matter, though, if, if, if the players are, you know, most of the Brazil team is, I mean, half of them are playing in the Premier League at this stage, you know? I yeah, mean, but a national team is, is, is a process. Uh, and... The Brazil side, for example, and Miguel's kind of referred to this, I think they, they press the way that no Brazil side has ever, has ever pressed before. Um, one problem that they're, they're going to have in this World Cup is that things have almost gone too well over, over the last the last year and a half. They haven't, they haven't been under scoreboard pressure. There's some hotheads in the side. You don't know how they're going to react to that. Who? who? Also, <laughs> name names. Well, <laughs> Neymar, Lucas Paquetá and Richarlison. You know, they know they've got a problem here. I was with the coaching staff recently and they'll be getting the sports psychologist, you know, earning his, uh, earning his or her money, trying to, tr- trying to calm that one down. But the other possible problem is what happens when they come up against opponents who are good enough to beat the press? Because they haven't been in that, in that, in that situation. They've trained for it because they know, you know, they know this is going to happen at, uh, at some point during the World Cup. So they've trained for it. It's been part of their their preparation process. But you know, the training is one thing, and uh, and and the game's another. So in that sense, it really does matter that they haven't faced. You know, the, the only game they've had against European opposition is a visit to the Czech Republic three years ago. They've been desperate. Every every FIFA. Uh, date. They've been, they were trying to fix up friendlies against European opposition. And what they wanted to do at the, towards the end of World Cup qualification after they qualified was to send a B team to the remaining qualifiers and send the A team over to Europe for, for, for friendlies. But mm. FIFA wouldn't let them do it. Mm. So uh, th- that is the great unknown, you know, for, for, for this World Cup. Um, it's a little bit like the World Cups of, of our youth, not not uh, your youth, Miguel, because um, you already <laughs> were born into a globalised era. The rest of us weren't. Uh, you know, when you, you had to wait until the World Cup to find out not only who was who, but the respective balance between teams from different continents. And that's certainly the way that this one looks as well. Jonathan, uh, Argentina, to me, seem, they seem to have kind of grasped the idea that if you want to play Messi... Who is still? I mean, you look at what he's been doing this season. He's still the best player, <laughs> the best player in Europe. There's no doubt. You know, when you look at what what he's actually producing on the field, it's incredible. But what Argentina have figured out, it seems, which is different from the last time, is that if you want to if you want to use him, you need guys who can run around him. They have that now. Well, they, they seem to have been pretty fortunate in a, in a whole load of ways that um, Scaloni sort of stumbled into that job as being the cheap bloke who was sort of hanging around when they they got rid of. Um, Saint uh, Pauli. Um and it, it turns out he temperamentally he seems very very good at it. He, you know, he, they, they've had a load of retirements, which have I think clarified plans that that that, that front three now um, with Letaro Martinez through the middle, Messi on the right, and Papa Gomez on the left. That looks better balanced than previous Argentina front threes, where I think there's always been that pressure because they had such a such riches that 
if you you know if you have an hour of a game, if you start the game and after an hour you haven't haven't scored or you haven't done something brilliant, well take him off, try the next bloke. Mm-hmm. So that you never got any sense of of continuity there, and I, I think that's undermined them. Well, I mean, really, uh, almost since two thousand and six. Um, I think the midfield looks looks balanced now. I think I mean I, you know, I'm saying this uh, really having. Just I watched the game against. Uh, played with Honduras and Jamaica. That their last two friendlies. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I saw the, the, the loss of of Lo Celso is a huge blow. Yeah, the losers huge blow. Yeah, because th- th- this is the th- I mean, that the Scaloni story is just unbelievable. It's not unbelievable. You know, he's appointed with no senior previous experience on the sole grounds that he's cheap. He walks in saying, "We're going to play rapid transitions. I love France and Croatia. That, that's what we're going to do." And you're thinking, well, this is nonsense. <laughs> it's an idea that with Messi, it's never going to work. It la- that lasts one competitive game, which was the Copa America opener in, in, in 19, when Colombia picked them off and they were a shambles. And then they start with Messi for the first time all in. Messi as a vocal, encouraging presence, uh, deciding if, if, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this all in. And it, it coincides when he starts falling out with Barcelona. And everyone notices that suddenly he's more Argentine than anything, than, than anything else. And from that, that defeat against Colombia, um, they start edging towards something better, something more coherent. And the heartbeat of it is, is, is the midfield. You know, Padej is playing the first ball out with quality. De Paul, who gives them thrust. And then Lochelso, who's just got such a sweet thing going with Messi, you know, subtle little passes on, on the edge of the area. So, you know, w- when you've seen them so often in the, in the past, and they've been a shambles, you know, and Messi coming back and picking up the ball off the centre backs or something. Now that midfield has been giving him the ball closer to goal, where he's got, he's, he's the, the develop, the relationship with, uh, with Lautaro Martinez gets better and better. Di Maria, has there ever been a world class player with less ego than Di Maria? Will flit around from wing to wing, finding little little little, little spaces. Um, but the loss of Lord Chelsea is a huge blow. Um, they've got good players to come in and replace him. Enzo Fernandez is flying with with Benfica and just looks like one of those one of those people who's temperamentally suited to it. Or they could go with but with 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 Gomez there, or or even even McAllister. Um, but they can't reproduce. Good teams are made of little partnerships, and they can't reproduce that partnership that Lo Celso has with with Messi. So that's unfortunate. But my doubt about them is, and the, the, the defensive stats are fantastic. I've considered two in the last fourteen, and since the moment that uh, uh, Martinez of Villa and Romero of Tottenham came into the side together, that's just improved the defence so much. But there are they are often defending at full stretch and uh, frankly gentlemen I don't see Otamendi as a a World Cup winning centre-back at this stage in his career Here's a cool fact A crocodile can't stick out its tongue Another cool fact You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs coming off their parents' plan or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.
agrees with plenty, just it's always who's saying it, it's never what's actually said. 90% of anything is who's saying this, and 10% is what are they actually saying. So the 90% in Giles' case is, oh, it's that twat. John is the best football brain in the world. I'm an annoying twat. I'd never let you do. I'd never let you down. But if you're talking about the, the, the press, which you're talking about, have this you know, opinion of Guardiola, it doesn't necessarily mean that football people have. Yeah, I, I think I do like Ken Early's work. He writes fluently and thinks uh, cogently, but uh, I think he's wrong. The press come and go, as we know. You mentioned Ken Early. Well, yeah. you know, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't necessarily agree with anything Ken Early says about football. Thinks I'm an annoying twat. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, what can you, what can you do? Can't please everyone. On today's podcast, then, we spoke to John McManus, author of Inside Qatar, hidden stories from one of the richest nations on Earth, about just how quickly Qatar turned from a desert backwater to the Gulf power it is today, most powerfully exemplified by the football tournament it's about to host. It's quite hard, I think, if you come from, uh, you know, England or I, I assume Ireland as well, you know, to quite comprehend the the level of change in, in the time span, you know, like everywhere changes, obviously, in like 50, uh, 70 years or so. But, um, you know, uh, as you pointed out, there are grandparents now who, you know, sort of lived without running water and sometimes with no fixed abodes, you know, they were nomadic uh, and grandchildren who are being educated at the, uh, you, uh, the, Doha-based branch of Georgetown University, you know, a famous American institution and whatnot, and have, you know, multiple sports cars. So it's really quite head-spinning, the change that's gone through. And um, it's hard to... It comes back to a larger point that really, uh, even though it's a small society, it's not by no means a homogenous place, Qatar. And there are profound cleavages and differences in outlook on the world and the government in some ways is trying sitting atop of all these shifting tectonic plates trying to keep everyone on side uh especially because it's uh you know not a democracy and rule, rule needs to be done with a degree of consensus uh in order to do that it's it's not an easy job and yet i think there is a certain degree of uh insecurity uh and i don't think it's alone in that most new countries because it only became independent in 1971 you know uh almost exactly uh, the same age as psg there we go um and as we know they're going through quite a lot of um you know what do they stand for what do we stand for on the world I mean, you know countries reinvent themselves all the time but i think if you're a new country if you're a small country if you're a country that had really no global recognition beforehand these questions are uh, far more existential We'll have Ken on the ground in Qatar for the next month. It's going to be a crazy, confusing, mad month. So if you're interested in the best World Cup coverage around, then maybe you'll think about signing up to the Second Captain's World Service. Just go to secondcaptains.com forward slash join. And for a five or a month plus VAT, depending on where you are in the world, you'll get six shows a week. We'd love to have you along. And if you don't, then we'll chat to you on Monday with two new shows covering the opening day of the World Cup and Ireland-Australia in the Aviva on Saturday evening. Can't do better than that. Chat to you then. And don't forget, Second Captain's is part of the ACAST Creator Network. Which one is that? That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. It is not war 
and death and famine. It's not that at all. It's the opposite of that. It's to persuade the world outside of that. That's why sport's important.